everybody, I'm Zoe. And I'm Chandi. And this is Bound by the Cloak. So Zoe and I are really into small towns, especially really unique small towns that have a tight-knit community or a vast history to them. So we came across Lilydale. It's essentially the town of mediums. And by mediums, she means psychic mediums. Nestled in the southwestern region of upstate New York is the quiet community of Lilydale. Close to the border of Pennsylvania and less than two hours from Niagara Falls, Lilydale is known for its connection to the spiritualist movement of the mid-1800s. So why is Lilydale so unique? Well, it has the largest concentration of psychic mediums in the country. Every summer, starting in June, Lilydale's population of under 300 people increases to over 20,000 people. People from all over the world visit Lilydale during this time, also known as the season, to get read by psychic mediums, to find spiritual healing, and just to get an overall spiritual experience. To learn more about Lilydale's history and what it's like in the present day, we spoke to Mandy Shep. Mandy is the former director of the Marion H. Skidmore Library, run by the Lilydale Assembly. And Bobby Caswell, a psychic medium and resident of Lilydale. Bobby found Lilydale later in life and made it her home. Lilydale is a spiritualist community, uh, so it's kind of unique in that regard. Uh, it's a community where in order to live there, you have to be a spiritualist. It is the, I believe, longest running in the United States, and it's one of the oldest as well. This is Mandy Shep. Uh, so for almost five years, I worked there as their library director and sole librarian. Uh, I was the first professional like MLS holding librarian to work there since the library was founded in 1881. And are you yourself a spiritualist or no? Uh, I am not. Um, funnily enough, I actually came there from uh, my previous job at the Center for Inquiry Libraries, which is a free thought and secular humanist organization. Uh, so I kind of came in from the opposite side of things. Uh, so the library was founded by Marion Skidmore, who was one of the town founders. Uh, and really, her and her husband were the ones that kind of expanded Lilydale into a year-round place for people to live instead of just a summertime destination. So part of what she did was when they had lecturers and authors coming to visit to kind of take part in the programming or to give lectures or talk about their new writings, uh, she would have them donate their books to the reading room there. Eventually, that grew into a full library that took up the top floor of a building and eventually that outgrew its space. So in 1923, they built a dedicated library building, which is the only brick building in Lilydale. Uh, that is still where the library lives to this day. As far as technical specs of it, um, the library has over 10,000 volumes. Uh, it is solely dedicated to spiritualism as a specialized research library. I created over 20 specialized collections that are basically genrefied and typified and faceted. Uh, and there are about half of the collection is rare books and half of it is not rare books. 
So can you tell us about the beginnings of Lilydale? Lilydale really began in the 1850s. Uh, so about 1855, uh, there's this group in the next town over called the Religious Society of Free Thinkers. Uh, so a free thinker is someone who wants to have their knowledge gained by their experience uh, or like reading science or understanding science or understanding philosophy, uh, as opposed to knowledge that is strictly handed down by figures of authority or figures of tradition uh, or religious practice. Uh, so instead of just believing this because the church told you to, uh, they, they really wanted to learn more for themselves um, and really experience the world in all of its, you know, majesty and beauty and all all those good things. Uh, so they're from Leona, and one of the folks involved was Marion's father. Uh, he took part in the free thought lectures that would kind of take place in Chautauqua County and throughout this area, because uh, really we are kind of on the westernmost end of the Burned Over District, uh, which is this big swath of the middle of New York that is responsible for a lot of social experiments, uh, utopian communities, new religions, new philosophies, new way of thinking. Um, and all of this happened in a period of about 70 years or so. It was a very short time and all these things were just happening all at once. Uh, so in Leona, we have the Free Thought Association. In December 1855, the Society of Free Thinkers changed their name to the Leona Free Association. Uh, Free Thought for the Uninitiated is a movement that kind of urges that knowledge should really be brought on by uh, science, experience, and reason, uh, as opposed to tradition, religion, or authority. Uh, so it's more of a throw around and find out kind of deal, as opposed to do this because someone told you so. Uh, so of this society, there are two important members, uh, a Jeremiah Carter and a Willard Alden. They were very interested in spiritualism. Uh, so where kind of Lilydale sits physically uh, is adjacent to where they started to hold these spiritualist picnics. Uh, they're meant for recreation, but basically anybody's welcome. Uh, so this is on Alden's land. So they're having these things, these spiritualist picnics once a summer, twice a summer. They're starting to become a more regular event. Uh, weekends start to turn into weeks, start to turn into months. Um, and pretty much you've got the whole summer dedicated to this. Uh, and that was really when people started thinking about making this into a permanent place to live. Uh, in 1879, uh, that is when the association held their meeting to determine uh, to create a town and a corporate body and purchasing this land. Uh, so they called it the Casadega Lake Free Association, and that's essentially the beginning of Lilydale. So what kind of people would gravitate towards Lilydale at this time? You have a lot of people that are interested in this religion because there are, you know, answers that Calvinism and like traditional Christian thinking at the time didn't really provide. Let's also not forget like spiritualism is broadly appealing because of its openness. There are ba basically a, a small set of, depending on which branch you follow, nine or 12 rules, uh, the most important of which is the golden rule of treat others as you would like to be treated. Uh, so there's not really this um, same religious structure as there is in a lot of traditional religion. And some people found that kind of appealing. Uh, let's not forget America is a very young country at the time. It's only 100 years old. Uh, so it's still kind of figuring out its identity and what it what it means to be an American. And kind of at that time, really, the, the best you could be to be an American was not British. <laughs> 
So breaking from these very British traditions and these highly traditional fields of knowledge and this sort of passing down of tradition and, and fancy, um, you know, past glorifications, uh, that's not really the thing in spiritualist culture or in this um, particular place and time of the Burnt Over District. Uh, you also uh, have another big thing that's driving a lot of people towards spiritualism, and that is the American Civil War. Uh, so you have people dying at a phenomenal rate that they have never been dying at before uh, in the history of our country. Uh, so you really get a lot of people that have this sudden mass amount of death in their lives, you know, their brothers, their sons, their fathers, and they don't really know how to cope with that. Um, and traditional religion is really not offering them what they need to assuage their grief. So here comes spiritualism that has this beautiful notion that the soul carries on and there's a life after this one and we can see it and we can, in, you know, partake in it. We can still talk to our loved ones after they're not here anymore. And that is is vastly appealing to a humongous number of people. I guess in the overall timeline of spiritualism, how does Lilydale fit into that overall timeline? So spiritualism itself, uh, to kind of give a start to this timeline, is founded in March of 1848 uh, in Rochester, New York. So about two hours away from where Lilydale is right now. Uh, so news is starting to travel pretty fast and it gets out to Chautauqua County where people are already interested in social movements and changing things. There's um, a big suffrage movement happening in Fredonia at the time and there's pretty big marriage of suffrage and spiritualism as well. Uh, so Lilydale really fits in by being in a geographically convenient county where there's a lot of transit of ideas and transit of people. Uh, and it's also really philosophically open to this sort of thinking and this sort of idea. Um, a lot of very like-minded people are building this rural community that's a very unique and interesting place. And a lot of other towns nearby are doing similar things. And why do you think there is that overlap of the suffrage movement and spiritualism? So there's a lot of ties between uh, spiritualism and suffrage movement. Movement. A lot of it is, well, for one part, women are really the, the religious head of their household. Uh, so it's they're the ones that are doing the emotional labor of doing prayers and tithing and attending services and making sure all the social graces are handled, taking the family to church, uh, writing thank you letters, doing the charity work. So that's her thing. And in spiritualism, you have this very unique feature of there are a lot of female ministers. And this is one of the only religions that is doing this at the time. Uh, you also see a lot of female lecturers, and that's unusual for the time to, to let a woman go up in front of a crowd of people and speak her mind? <gasps> How could we? So it's, it's, it's one of those kind of things of um, you're, you're really giving women at the time this avenue into agency uh, through religious adherence. So they are participating in this religion that puts them on equal footing to men and really kind of lifts them up and encourages them to develop their spirituality uh, and develop themselves and develop their intelligence and, you know, read and philosophize and, you know, become independent people. Uh, so that's that's an incredibly appealing thing at the time, too. <laughs> Susan B. Anthony uh, befriended Marion Skidmore, the library founder. They, they actually met on a train ride from Ohio and kind of had this conversation uh, about, you know, 
how about we do something for for women? We have all these lovely things. Um, a common idea of of these camp towns at the time was they would have various theme weeks where they would their lectures and their philosophies and activities would really focus on a particular topic. Uh, so you have you know the children's week, which still exists today. It still goes on every single year. Uh, there is like a mediums week. There are a few other themed weeks, but then there was this woman's day and a woman's week, uh, which really encouraged uh, suffrage speakers to come and talk to spiritualists because spiritualists were already incredibly supportive of suffrage philosophies and suffrage activities. So eventually Susan B. Anthony, um, she first spoke at Lilydale in 1891. That was her first lecture. Uh, she spoke to a crowd of almost 3000 people packed into their auditorium. But so you had her come back and she absolutely loved it. She couldn't believe the support she had. She wrote all about it in her suffragette newspapers. You know, hey, y'all come speak at Lilydale because they they're into it. They support us and you should really take spiritualism seriously as an ally. Susan B. Anthony continued to speak at Lilydale until her death, basically. Uh, she missed one year uh, because she was away at the National Suffrage Association Conference in D.C., so she sent her sister in her place. Um, they, they continue to have Women's Day to this day. Uh, that's an annual event that happens. Uh, however, for a short time from like the 70s through the 90s, uh, it became Women's Empowerment Weekend for that uh, awesome second wave feminism there. <laughs> It became a weekend. Uh, usually there are, it's it's an unofficial week. There are a lot of activities that lead up to it and surround it, but the Woman's Day is the big final celebration. Um, everybody gets really into it, even today. They decorate their houses. Um, they, they buy a lot of buntings in gold, yellow, or wow. gold, purple, and white. Uh, which are the suffrage colors. Uh, so they decorate the town, basically. Uh, and they still do like Victorian dinners where they dress up oh. in, in Victorian clothes and outfits and do uh, old Victorian mediumship methods. It's it's really wow. fun. It's it's a nice, um, a nice throwback to like a historical tradition that's been going there for a very long time. And it, it's it's very cool to see that, you know, come to life. Back to Bound by the Cloak. Let's get back to Lilydale and catch up with Bobby Caswell. Bobby, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Could you tell us what is Lilydale? Lilydale is the world's largest center for the religion, science, and philosophy of spiritualism. The advent of modern spiritualism started. March 31st, 1848, when a couple of young girls, Maggie and Kate Fox, started rapping and responding to what they knew as the spirit of a man that had been murdered in the house they lived in. And we just celebrated the 175th anniversary this March. So I was out there and represented Lilydale for that. So that was kind of cool. And then it turned into a lot of seances, what you would call seances, and we call circles. And there was a group of people that were free thinkers. There were free thinkers that, oh gosh, some of the early poets, Wordsworth and some of them, 
were in these groups and they wanted to expand everybody's knowledge about love and science and philosophy and all of these other things. And there were also mesmerizers, people that did hypnotism, which was started by a man named Mesmer, hence the mesmerizing. And there were a group that met in Leona, which is maybe three miles from here. And then they started having yearly picnic in a place called Alden's Grove. And they would come and have their, their little few days. So they grew into, a, they bought property that became known as the Casadega Free Lake Association. And then became the City of Light from 1903 to 1906. And then it became the Lilydale that we know today. That's the short of it. But one of the really neat things is there were a lot of suffragists in the spiritualist movement as spiritualism believed that women were equal. And in this area, we're close to Dunkirk and Fredonia and Jamestown, where Lucy Law was from. And around the turn of the 20th century, we were the largest populated women's equality club in the United States because we had the WCTU, the Women's Christian Temperance Association, which started in Fredonia. And they thought if women got the vote, that women would not be subjugated to their drunken husbands. There was also the Grange, which is a farming association, which also always that women were equal. So we had these three populations coming together and Lilydale had a woman's day every year for many years and it stopped and started again. We're currently in a let's have a women's day phase now. And so, Spiritualism brought women the opportunity to make a living. There were women that were drawing two and 3,000 people at a crack in our auditorium, which when you consider that was the late 1800s, turn of the 1900s, was pretty amazing. Just the logistics of it. There was a train that ran by here, which I think would have been so cool if we could have that in a hotel across. Lilydale is situated on three lakes, Casadega, Lower, Middle, and Upper Lake. And the train ran down in towards the Jamestown area. So Lilydale started as, I said, a week long. And now it's a 10-week summer season. We have people that live here all year round. We don't really know. It's around 150 people that stay here over the winter. We get anywhere from twenty to 30,000 people here during the summer. And we have brought in some big names from the paranormal and the spiritualist world. And, you know, we have a couple that actually live here. It, it's a cool place to be. We have a place called the Forest Temple. And part of the spiritualist's church service, they're very Protestant. Stand up, sit down, pray, have a lecture, but we have hands-on healing, and we have a few minutes of mediumship where one or more mediums will stand up and give a message to whoever they recognize in the crowd as people in spirit that are knocking the shoulder. So Forest Temple is one of the places where we have our outdoor mediumship services during the summer. And then there's also a place called The Stump which actually was a tree, 
and now is a cement-covered stump. So that area is in the woods, the Leland Woods, and we can get up to a couple hundred people there at a time. So we have two services there during the summer. And then we have a, a museum. We have a couple restaurants, coffee shop, couple stores, three stores, I think, right now. But the highlight is the grounds. The grounds were not only settled by the Haudenosaunee, which you might know as the Iroquois Confederacy, tribes before them, even older, had burial grounds all around Lilydale. So these grounds, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. These grounds are charged sacred grounds. So while we do offer classes and things online, people want to be here. People come off season. They don't even care whether we're having classes because they just want to experience the feeling of being on these grounds. And it, it, it's pretty powerful. We have a, a little gazebo down on the lake and there's one whole swan left and there's always fish that are leaping and beavers and geese and ducks and things like that. So there's a lot of nature there also. But it's also a geologically significant area too. Ice glaciers came through here. And so it's a it's a pretty cool area. Seems like it might have that mix of like I've been to places where it has that really like spiritual feeling just with nature and and everything else going on. It just has like a different feeling than other places. Would you say Lilydale is like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I moved here seven years ago and I only lived a mile down the road for like five miles before that but even in the summer things shut down pretty early because there's no drinking in Lilydale there's we don't have a bar our restaurants don't serve alcohol but after nine o'clock you can walk the streets and it is so quiet and peaceful I have two dogs and we just we just love walking around after dark and in the winter there's fewer people so it's you can feel it even more. So tell us about yourself. Tell us about who you are, your journey into finding Lilydale. I grew up 20, 25 miles from here in a small town called Falconer, New York. Um, my mother had three sisters, and my mother and two of her sisters used to go to a medium in another small locality. And they took me to my first medium when I was 19 or 20. And she did automatic writing. She had an Indian guide. It was nothing you could read, but she would talk and talk. And then she would say, do you understand? And she described my life situation to an absolute T. What my husband, his family were doing. My family aren't big communicators. So they didn't really tell me what to expect. And they would sit in the other room and take notes. So you would have notes to remember when you got home. Because sometimes when you're in those situations, you hear it and you understand it when you're there. And then you walk out of the building and it's gone. It's just gone. So that was my first. And they never talked to me about Lilydale, which was so close. And one of my aunts had friends here. And then I don't even remember how I heard about it, but I came to a couple of classes here. The first one I remember was on past life regressions. And I never 
okay, I don't win the lottery. I don't get choked, you know, the basket raffles. I don't get the baskets. And I was so jazzed going into that lecture. I couldn't even sit still. And at the end, they gave three past life regressions and my name was the first name they drew. And what they told me was significant to my life. That was a pretty remarkable thing. And then I knew someone that came to church here. There are three churches in Lilydale and one just outside Lilydale. So I started going to church here. And I attended with a woman who lived to be 99, passed in 2003. And we would go between these two churches, either because she liked this person more or because she didn't like the other person more. <laughs> After every church service, she would say, it's not like it used to, used to be that the medium would stand up and say, I have Fred in spirit, and I want to talk to Zoe, and this is this, the message, because some people don't do that. They don't know who they're going to, and there's a huge debate about whether that's good or bad, just like any other topic. I started coming to church here, and then I moved down the street, rented a house. The landlady said, I'm going to be selling the house. You have to leave, and I never wanted to live in Lilydale because being a little town, you know, there's the politics. And for some reason, I could not think of any place else to live. I had a friend that's one of those solvers. Well, Bobby, here's a house. Here's a house, Bobby. Oh, look at this house. Look at this house. Couldn't do it. All I wanted to do is live in Lilydale. So I woke up one morning, was looking at the newsletter online, and there was my house. And I said, that's my house. In Lilydale, you own your house, but not property. It's kind of like living on, on a reservation. So you can't get a conventional mortgage. So I had been asking around and discovered that there are people here that at that time would help people out financially. So I see this, this house, I call the number, I said, I want to put a bid on the house. And he said, you haven't seen it. He said, I know, but it's my house. So I give this other person a call and said, can you get me in touch with one of those people that you talk about that, you know, would call them an angel. And this person said, oh, I'll give you the money. I'd never even been in their house. So it wasn't like we were good friends. She knew me by, by reputation. And I, I was completely in shock and didn't totally believe it until I had the check in my hands because I never had anybody do anything like that for me before. And that's how things tend to happen in Lilydale. We like to say the house chooses you, not the person. So that's how I ended up in Lilydale. It's kind of like how I ended up, I have a master's in library science. So I was a VISTA volunteer before it became AmeriCorps, and then they offered tuition assistance. So I was at a convention in Louisville, Kentucky, and sat next to a librarian from Queens. And I said, I'd really love to get my master's degree. Just can't decide what to get again. Everything is so interesting. And she said, well, why don't you become a librarian? Because then you have access to everything. So I said, Okay, so she gives me that information. And I shared a cab on the way to the airport 
was telling the woman my story and she said, oh, I've had my MLS for years. I've never done traditional library, library work and I love it. I get home and my dog sitter just happens to have the catalog for the library program at UB that she's not going to be using. So in my world, we say that spirit guided that. It's not that I didn't have a choice, but they would have had to be a little more firm with me if I had not taken them up on their, their offer. It's a pretty cool way of life. It's not like other religions in that they don't tell you what to do. We have principles and you're supposed to try and live your lives by them. And, and who can ever do that? But we don't we don't have a book. We don't have one particular person. We don't say you have to use the word God. Even. You can say consciousness, infinite intelligence. You can say whatever you want to. So it's fitting into a lot of the spirituality that people your age are interested in nowadays. What do you think draws people to Lilydale, whether to live there or to, you know, just going there to seek out some sort of spiritual help or guidance? A lot of people, it's grief. When you look at the Fox sisters started in 1848 and what happened right after that, Civil War. Look how many people we lost in the Civil War because we didn't have a lot of photography. You got piece of hair in a picture frame on the wall. So people wanted that communication with their loved ones because sometimes they just disappeared. You know, if they died on the battlefield, they may never have been identified, recognized. So people really had no way of knowing what happened to their loved ones. And this gave people a chance to not only know what happened, but to communicate with them and to know that their loved one who's in spirit still cares about them. So a lot of people that come here have recently lost someone. A lot of our mediums do grief work. In fact, a friend of mine is starting, and well, has been for a while, doing a lot of work with hospice and working with the families and the person that is in the process of making their transition, as we call it. So it, it's... It's the grief, it's the wanting to learn, and it's the wanting to give back and to help other people. Because when you're a medium, you're bringing them comfort. Because, and I'm not saying it's never happened, but I've never brought through a spirit that said, I still don't like you. <laughs> I love you. I'm fine now. Stop worrying. I'm sorry the way I behaved. You get a lot of messages along, along those lines. And then, obviously, we have a lot of healers here. We have a healing temple, and we get busloads of people that come in to be healed. And it's, it's a pretty powerful thing. And we don't say healing as in you're necessarily going to drop your crutches and run for the door. So you had previously mentioned your world. So what is your world? Right now, it is Lilydale. For a while, I was working for Lilydale the second time. I have a business that involves being spiritual and doing coaching and mediumship and helping people plan a more spiritual life for themselves. 
And this may be a little bit of arrogance on my part, but because we don't tell people how they have to behave to be able to give peace and healing to people is a pretty remarkable gift. So right now, my world, not exclusively, but I have friends here. Most of my other friends are spiritualists. And it's partly because, like with anything, if, if you belong to a club, everybody in your club knows what's going on, what everybody else is doing. It's the same with spiritualism and I suppose other religions, too. I haven't been involved in a lot of other religions as an adult to know that, but being able to communicate with people on the other side gives you a completely different perspective on what you would call dying and we would call making your transition. That's my world that it's more comfortable for me than a lot of the other worlds I've created have been. And it's not that there is never any discord or things like that. But it, it just works for me. I'm, I'm comfortable in this world. I'm comfortable communicating with people in spirit. A few weeks ago, I was talking to somebody on Zoom. And one of my cats is named Ted. And the person said, oh, there's Ted behind you. Ted's over there on the floor sleeping. It was a cat that I had before Ted who was sitting behind me. And I didn't say anything, but the next time we talked, I said, I don't know if you believe this, but that was not Ted. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a great comfort. And that's why spiritualism was so big right after the Civil War and right after the First World War. I had a friend who passed at 99. Anyway, she grew up in Buffalo and there were all kinds of spiritualist churches in Buffalo, New York. And they would go and they would have seances and people would deliver lectures and talk for hours. A spirit would be doing that through them. So there's all kinds of really cool stuff. And they say that there's not as much, there used to be a lot more physical mediumship where you would see things and hear things and it's not as much anymore. And there's a big debate about it, of course, as there should be. There used to be trumpet seances, and it would be a long cone of metal, and they would stand it on a table, and voices would come out of it. Or what they would call ectoplasm would come, come out of it, which is, ectoplasm is, I'm not sure of the correct term, I'm going to say stuff that comes out of him. And you've probably seen some stage pictures where there's big blobs of stuff. That led to a lot of fraud because if you have okay. to perform every night and you have an off night, those people still want that stuff coming out of your nose. So they, they made stuff up. So there was some fraud, just like anything else. If people are making their living at something and they lose their ability to do it, there's going to be that temptation to do it so you get that money for the evening. Also, was such a huge thing with the women's rights movement because women had a big part in spiritualism. Cora Richmond would draw in two, 3,000 people into our auditorium here. 
and women just weren't able to make decent money other they could be school teachers or nurses not to disparage either of those professions but to be limited to only those two wasn't very good and that's why they have not always been the best paying because they've been women spiritualism played a big part in the women's rights movement susan b anthony spoke here she also spoke at chautauqua institution which is across chautauqua lake from us and there's a big debate some people think she spoke here first i tend to go for what is in the county historical books being a librarian at one point she spoke at chautauqua and then spoke here they would have marches they had a parade every day here. The season was only a few weeks long. And now the season is generally starts this year. It starts next to the last Friday in June and continues until Labor Day. Can you tell us what happens during the season? We are full. We have guest houses. Well, this year, only one of the hotels is going to be open. We have three restaurants three stores, and there are classes every day. I'm going to be teaching two this year. I haven't taught classes here yet, so that's going to be fun. So there are classes on everything from how to read auras to, we don't do, well, during the summer, you can do tarot cards and that. We tend to be a little purist in that we only want messages given. We don't want people to use tarot cards and other divination methods because we have registered mediums here so they go through a process of testing and then during the summer that's their season when they get the most customers so people can walk up and down the streets and see that a medium has her sign out she's open and people can go for readings those are really really popular then we have um, services at the stump and at the Forest Temple, there's three services between them. We have a church service every day at two o'clock. We have the monks coming to open the season this year, the Tibetan monks, and a lot of season highlights we call on the weekends. So generally on a Friday or Saturday night, they'll do their thing. And then the next day they'll teach a class. And then we have workshops that are morning afternoon so there's a lot of opportunity for learning about spiritualism about nature about orbs about just about anything you can think of spiritually we have a number of old public buildings we have an auditorium we have an octagon building which actually has eight sides we have a lyceum which is where like a Sunday school class would, would take effect. And then we have the healing temple. And so we have classes during the day. And things, sometimes there's classes in the evening. Things shut down pretty early. People come here and wander the streets. And because of the energy of this place, they just like lost. They're just wandering around, which we're here all the time. So it doesn't. You know, you don't notice it as much, and then you get behind them and they're walking. And we're not very big. We have three streets that run parallel, and then a few streets that run in between that. We have a beach. It's not huge, but I live on like one of the 
streets furthest from the gate. So I don't get as much traffic over here, which is even nicer. I tend to be a little hermitish. <laughs> you mentioned that there's registered mediums. What exactly does that mean? Registered mediums go through a process of working at, because you don't have to be registered. Okay. What happens when you go to a service at the stump or at the forest temple is mediums get up front and they will give one or two or three messages to people in the crowd. So I would get up there and I would say, lady in the white hat, I have, may I bring you a message? She'll say yes or no. If she says yes, I will say, I have a gentleman in spirit here that says he's your father. He's wearing a very, his suit was really old and it didn't fit him. It looked like he lost a lot of weight. So you would proceed with the message and then you go on to the next person. So that's called a message service. And that's what happens um, generally towards the end of our regular church services. And then at the stump, the forest temple, and then our daily service includes messages. So. People that are testing, you have to pass a test to be a registered medium here. So you have to work at so many of those services. And then the next year, at the end of that year, you have to pass a test. So you would go into a room with one per one person, give them a message about their life, bring through their father, mother, second cousin, twice removed, you know, died in a horrible accident or has some remarkable thing about them. So you're not going to say, oh, I've got John here. You know, how many millions of Johns are there? You want to make sure that if, when you're giving your message, that it's identifiable and unique to that person. So you can definitely say, oh, yeah, that was my uncle. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was good. And then they give two or three of those. And then the last part of the testing is what we would call the public demonstration which is what you do at the stump or at the Buddhist temple where you stand up in front of a group of people and select a person to go to according to the spirit that is telling you, go to the woman in the red hat over there. And then you give them a message and you're graded on those. And they've come up with a, a process over the years. So you have to get a certain score between the testing process in order to pass and become a registered medium. Nowadays, well, what, if you're a registered medium, you pay a registration fee, and then you are allowed to put a sign out in front of your house and have people come, sit on your porch, come in your house, whatever you decide, and you give them messages. Because of technology now, you can give people greetings by phone, or Zoom and not be registered. So there's that also. So we've got people here that are mediums that aren't registered. Like I'm not a registered medium here. I probably won't ever be. I do it in other, when I speak at other churches and other events like that, I get messages. This might be an obvious question, but what is mediumship? Mediumship is... Connecting to a spirit on the other side and giving you a message. And some people work directly and some people work indirectly. 
An indirect message would be I'd be in front of a group of people and I would say, okay, I have a woman here who always wore a plaid skirt. She was really short, but she was very tiny. She always wore really tall heels. She had a really loud voice, you know, and I would give details until someone would say, oh, that's my Aunt Bertha. Direct messages, I would say, may I come to you, Shandi? And then I would give you the message and tell you details about that person and what, what they have to say to you. I would say, I've got a woman here that is dressed in beautiful, bright colors, and she has very black hair. She is saying that she really likes the path you're on, but that you should polish your shoes more. You know, just whatever they, whatever they tell you. So it's basically because that's where the word medium comes from. Paint is a medium. Humans that are mediums are the medium for people in spirit to give communication to people on this earth plane. The polishing shoes, that's probably my paternal <laughs> grandma. It just pops out. And that's sometimes how oh, that it's a real message because there's no conscious thought or planning in what is coming out to you. It's like kind of random. It's just coming out. Similar to a stream of consciousness, you're recognizing after a bit who's delivering that to you. Sometimes... The very best message I ever gave, I was telling this man that I was seeing a cowboy. I was describing chaps. We live in Western New York. <laughs> he had cowboy hat. He had the little dog. And the guy's just sitting there stone-faced. And, but I did it. He came up to me afterwards. He says, that was my dad. My dad dressed full cowboy every day of his life. Thank you. Thank God I was bringing through someone real. Do you ever question whether or not it's like, how do you know it's real? I guess for you. You don't have to think about it. Because like, obviously, when I started, I was looking at Shani and she's got dark hair. And so I described that. And then, it, but then the part about the shoes, I didn't plan that. It just comes out. I remember one night I was working a service and I could see this remember Aunt B from the Andy Griffith show short plump in a little suit with a pillbox hat and she was insistent I'm like oh my god who's gonna believe this turned out to be somebody's grandmother <laughs> so the more you think it's not something real is sometimes when it's more real because you're not you're not planning it if it comes out of your mouth and you haven't given it any thought, that's spirit. If you think, my personal opinion, it's just like any other skill. Some people are good. Some people stink. Some people can develop it and become good. And some yeah. people just can't. It's very interesting and it's kind of a dynamic with yourself because you have to let go of your ego in order to allow someone in spirit to come through you. So it's an education about yourself as much as it is a process where you're talking to people in spirit. You know, living in Lilydale, is there some sort of solidarity with people who are, you know, more so having the same occupation as you? Or does it also make it very difficult in a way when you're around people who are very similar? 
As far as Lilydale is concerned, mediumship is not an occupation for me because I'm not a registered medium. I can only do the public services, which I do. We also have a Monday night circle where anywhere from like three to six people sit in a little circle with you, and then you give each one of them a message. And that's kind of fun because the way I learned, every generation has its old timers. Becoming an old time. It's very sad. But she would line people up on the wall and you would have to go down the line and give each person a message. So with just anything else, there's a certain amount of skill in your allowing spirit to come through. Having a lot of mediums in one place can keep the energy up. We're big believers in energy. I know I am. I didn't start doing this until I was probably in my 40s, but it gives people such peace to bring someone through for them. This is the way I view it. You can kind of get, all right, I'm getting all the 90-year-old women because they're, they're knowing that I am a good communicator. And then you're like, then you're thinking, oh, I don't want to just bring 90-year-old women. It makes it look like I can't do anything. So. You do have a certain amount of control on who you've let come through. I mean, you're the first medium I've met. Or maybe I've met other people. I just didn't know they were a medium. Have you ever had a negative experience sending a message? I don't allow that. I decide. I'm in charge. I don't. And I also don't go up to people in stores and say, I got your uncle here. You need to listen. That's just rude. Absolutely rude. But to a spiritualist, this is part of our religion. And while there are people that do make a living at it, it's not why we went into it to begin with. For me, it was interesting to know like how your experience with mediumship has evolved or influenced your current role. And you did talk about that, yeah. right? Your childhood and how you were you you went to a medium when you were 19. But then you said you weren't a medium until your 40s. So in that gap. What were you doing? Living a very boring life. I never considered it as a possibility just because of the way that I was raised and things that went on in my life. I did not care for religion. Not that I viewed mediumship as a religion, but like when I was going to that medium that, that told me that communicated with the Indian guide. And I just found out recently she used to come and work at in Lilydale. I had never known that. So that was kind of a cool thing. But sometimes you grow up not thinking that you're capable of things that you are. And that's where I was. And that's why it took me so long to get to where I was. I have done a lot of, lot of different things. I have been a nurse's aide. I was a welder, drove a motorcycle. I, I was a librarian. I worked as a housekeeper on a dude ranch. I mean, you name it, I've pretty much done it. Now I have two master's degrees and a certification and I can give personality tests. And it's, it's so remarkable to look back and think where I was and where I am now. And I've actually, until we have been discussing that, never thought about what part mediumship or being spiritual and communicating with spirits might have had in that process. 
because now that I think about it, I believe the process has sped up a little bit since that, because it does open you up to things that you never thought of before. I was meeting at one time in a building here in Lilydale, and there was a piece of gas pipe on the floor, like a foot long, a little fitting on the end. And someone was sitting to my right on the end of the table. I left, came back, and the pipe was on the floor between our chairs. And I said, where did that come from? And she said, I don't know. So she put it back on the hearth, on the stone hearth of the fireplace. And then the other people in the meeting said, well, what did it look like? She reached down to, to pick it up and it rolled away from her. So weird things have always happened to me. Mm-hmm. So I was at summer camp when I was a kid and it was, um, it used to be an old battlefield from the War of 1812 and there was a cemetery where a whole family had owned the land previously and they, they still had a family cemetery with headstones, but they had just removed the bodies and moved them like down the road. And they sold the land to the camp, to the company that owns the camp. And, you know, we were dumb kids. I think we might have been like nine or ten and I was that one who was like, oh, let's do a seance and the, because of everything that's happened. Stupid. And so we were like, we were sitting in a circle and we were doing whatever we were doing. And it's an old cabin because there's a bunch of old cabs, right? And girls in a cabin. So 11 o'clock at night and the counselors leave. So it's just us. Usually there's two counselors on shift that kind of go around and make sure everybody's okay for the night. And a window opened. I didn't pay too much attention to it at first. Like the window just opened out of nowhere. And then I went to go close it and lock it. It should be locked. It was locked. To, it should have been locked to begin with. And then as soon as I turned around and went back to the circle, it just opened again. And we were like, we're done. I think that was one of the first things that happened to me when I was young. And I was like, we're, we're done. We're done. We're not doing this again. So I don't do seance things anymore ever. But yeah, I've always had weird things happen. So like losing yeah. and then finding them where you live? I've had that happen a lot. I just always say it's like brownies or like fairies or something. That's just, I just dismiss it as something silly. But, you know, I don't know. My opinion, if it was an evil spirit, wouldn't be just, oh. Oh, I think I'd know. <laughs> and sometimes I get messages that say things like, Zoe, when I move your phone, that's because I want you to acknowledge that you're actually smelling my perfume. Even though I died when you were little, you would remember that smell or something like that. It's probably just someone wanting to get in touch with you and tell you that they love you. Asked, my grandson was living with me. And I had a remote start on my car. And it's midnight. My grandson comes in my room and says, Grandma, where are you going? Something wrong? Your car's going. Like, no. And you know, when they start that way, they don't, they stop after a few minutes. We get downstairs, no car running. There's the key on the hook by the door. Vroom, car starts up again. My dad had a garage. He worked on cars. So it was dad. I knew it. How'd your grandson take that? Oh, he can. He doesn't like to do it. But yeah, he used to communicate when he was, was younger. You know, grandfather passed when he, before he was a year old. And he would come back to my grandson and talk to him. When he was younger, he doesn't like to admit it. But it's, you know, it's a question of what you were taught when you were growing up. You know, do you believe it can happen, that it should or shouldn't happen? And can open yourself up to it. Because of things that happened in my life, I wasn't ready to accept that I was able to do that until I was older. And a lot of people aren't. You're busy raising kids and making families and 
going to work and you don't take the time to stop it all and think about those kinds of things. So it, it happens and it's not always just as when we're little, we learn to talk. They may not have progressed enough to know how to communicate through words, right. except through a medium. So that may be why every once in a while I smell cigarette smoke and I know that's my mom and we're not in talking terms yet. So sometimes you smell things or you'll catch something out of the corner of your eye and then you turn and there's nothing there. There really was someone there, you know, not to scare you and and to say that because you can stop that. You can say, I don't want anything around. I don't. Because you are in control of it all. I lived in a house once and my daughter was sleeping on the front porch with a friend. And I had a, a couple, like an upholstered chair in the, in the bedroom. And someone came in and sat in the chair. And I thought it was her just curling up going back to sleep. And in the morning, it wasn't her. But it didn't scare me in the least because I just thought it was my daughter coming in to do it, to sleep. And she did. So it's it's... In many respects, it explains a lot of things. And and guess what? Quantum physics is proving mediumship now. They really are. Yeah. They just have to make their vibration close enough to ours that we can communicate. One question I have when it comes to Lilydale, it seems like the population is a little older. Yes. Um, and so is there been an effort to kind of draw in younger Visitors and, and, and younger people to kind of move to Lilydale or work in Lilydale. That would be very nice if that would happen. The thing is, a lot of younger people have jobs and they can't drop their jobs and their children and their husbands or wives or whatever to come here and be a medium. I mean, we live in a school district. They could, there are people who do move here and have children and, and like that, but not a lot. We are an older population, just like every other religion, the populations are going down. Although there's, there is an International Spiritualist Federation. It's based in England, but it is international, and their population has been going up because they do things online. I think that is the way to reach people, because, you know, I'm on TikTok quite a bit, and I see a lot of spiritualists and, and, and I guess, mediums that are operating on TikTok. And even YouTube, they put out videos and everything, and that's how they kind of connect with, with people, it seems. Yeah. In terms of the structure of the town of Lilydale, is it that, you know, everybody that's involved, you know, with the church and, and mediumship is running the town? Is that how the town operates? We have a board of directors. You have to be a member of the assembly. You do not have to live here to be a member of the assembly. First, you become a member of any spiritualist church. Then you become a member of the Lilydale Assembly. So usually it's like you have to be a member of a church for a year, and then you can become a member of the assembly. Then you can buy a house here. So not just anybody can come and buy a house. So it's it's very structured in that way. And we have a number of public buildings. We have the auditorium, which is a very old, cool building, you know, and some of the other buildings that I mentioned earlier and the you know, swelling population in the summer. 
you know, and most people are, they may not be mediums, but they believe in it and they believe that they can get a message from somebody and that's going to give them some comfort. There are a lot of wives who drag their husbands around. You almost need like a club just to entertain the husbands. <laughs> so how does the town make money? What's the main source of revenue? Well, we pay the taxes on our property. So we pay county taxes, school tax, and then we pay an assessment to Lilydale. And then the main source of income is from the revenue of all the summer workshops. And then we have a few donors that help out. So essentially, it's the summer is the busiest time, like you said, end of June to beginning of September. And in your time there, what's the pattern that you notice among people visiting Lilydale? What are they hoping to find? Comfort. They want to know whether they did the right thing by their grandmother or their uncle and whether they are still in pain particularly if they die by an accident. They will, so they want to know that their loved one is all right, that they're not mad at them. You know, sometimes they don't feel that they did enough for a loved one or they were a little grudging in the care that they gave because it was so grinding on them. And a lot of times the people that come through and will say, I'm fine now. Don't worry about me. Don't be hanging on to me. You know, people that don't want to let go of the, that family member that made that death the whole their whole existence. So they come to a medium and they get comfort and they're able to let go and go on with their lives. Do they find comfort? Most of the people that you've spoken yeah. to, yeah, if they're if they're ready for it. Sometimes they're not ready to forgive themselves, so they can't accept a message of forgiveness and comfort. So, you know, it's, it's the three of us can talk, but Zoe, if you turn off your mic, you can't hear us. If you don't want to hear us, you don't have to, and it's not going to happen. It's that literal. And, and there's different kinds of mediumship. Some people bring through, like, I have smelled things. Sometimes you hear an actual voice. Sometimes you see people. I tend to, like, see people in my head and describe them, but I don't see them standing next to me. So there's all kinds of different ways to give messages. And sometimes it doesn't work for people. Oh. I, I had a friend once that, that wanted to hear from only those specific people. And they didn't come through, so she wouldn't listen to anything anybody else had to say, even though some of it was related to what she wanted to know about. She couldn't accept it because it wasn't from the right person. So you've got all kinds of dynamics going on. Your relationship with the person in the past, your relationship with the medium. You know, if you're sitting with a medium that you think is really out there, and you only pick them because they were free at that time, but you don't like them, you may not accept their message. And that happens. I, ha I have friends, and if it's an ethical medium, you can't make that connection. They'll give you your money back and send you on your way with, you know, or one time a friend of mine was giving a message 
to the young woman and then it turned out to be for her boyfriend. And he ended up staying in the room and she ended up leaving. So there's all kinds of ways that messages happen. I think that a lot of people now are more open to things, especially with all of the quantum physics proving spiritualism, at least to my way of thinking, it puts it down to a practical level. So you're not just, it's not all woo-woo anymore. Right. Some people are trying to bring back some of the physical mediumship. I have a friend that's a physical medium. She has the trumpets. She has spirit portraits that change. So you look at something one day and it looks different on another day. So there's there's all kinds of it's a, it just just like everything else. There's variety there, and there's parts. Pick whatever part works for you, whatever part connects in your heart. And you take that comfort and who doesn't want comfort? If you if you are hurting because you've lost someone or you're in pain because you've lost them and you don't know what steps to take next. And you can go to someone who says, I've got your grandmother here. And oh my God, this woman loved you. This woman adored you. And she always wore way, way, way too many shawls and, and blankets. And she was always cold. But she was always warmer when you were there because of her love for you. And she loved to read to you. You know, if you can get a message like that about how much someone loves you, who couldn't benefit from that? So it's a pretty, it's a pretty remarkable and, and powerful process. Just, yeah, rewarding for you too, right? That you're able to give that comfort. Absolutely. And, and just like with the healing, my church belongs to the National Spiritualist Association of Churches. Our rules, because of New York state laws, don't allow people, our healers don't touch below the shoulders. So we'll put it on someone's head or on their neck or on their shoulders and give them a healing. And those can be quite powerful. And the healer does get some of that energy because you are the conduit for that healing energy. So while the person may not necessarily that their neck will stop hurting right then, but you'll feel better enough in other ways, like maybe emotionally, maybe it was an emotional trauma that made the neck hurt, that you're going to feel better after that healing. It's all pretty powerful and positive. But again, it's it's a question of what you believe. I'm glad you found it later in life. You know, whenever you found it, I'm yeah, glad you found, found it. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, going to that woman that my mother brought me to, that was, that was, that was amazing. And the fourth sister was of a, a strict religion, and she was the last of the four sisters to pass. My mom passed first, then her elder sister. And when her elder sister was in her process, she spent one whole day looking up in the corner of the room, which is quite common. So she's looking up in the corner of that room, and my cousins just knew it was my mom there to get her. So, and it was on my mom's birthday. 
couple years later, third sister passes. And she was in hospice. So on my mom's birthday, I was there watching her. So it was a year or so after that that the fundamentalist type religion aunt passed. And I posited that her sisters were there because she was terrified. And her religion said that it was a fearful, horrible thing that no, it could not be your relatives. It had to be something. Oh, wow. So I really think that's why she was afraid. Hopefully she knows better now. And why would you not want, you know, I don't understand, I guess, religions that promote fear. Who wants that? I don't. So I live on a little quirk in a lake. We have a five-mile speed limit. (laughs) Wait, did you say five miles? Five miles an hour. We're a gated community. Yeah, I have to go. So we're a private community. And you've got all those people walking around. And then they do the golf cart thing. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, that's that's a lot easier if you just drive around your golf cart, honestly. Yeah. So that so yeah, it, it's a it's a pretty cool place, and it's I mean, it's it's pretty world famous in the world because spiritualism is all over the world. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to go up there, Chandi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll make it happen. Absolutely, I'll, one of these days. I'll give you the tour. Thank you so much for for talking to us about Lilydale and about yourself. I think we learned a lot about spiritualism and, and mediumship and um, just Lilydale in general. Yeah, and thank you just so much for sharing. Thank you for your work and the comfort that you you yeah. bring people. Yeah, Lilydale sounds like a interesting little town that hoping that you know more people know about. And yeah, we'll have to make our way up there maybe before um, the end of June. Because it seems like it might get a little <laughs> packed. Before season, you don't have, well, there are se- mediums here that are open before season, but not as many. A lot of them do bookings online before season. Okay. But some of the stores aren't open because we're limited. We have the Crystal Cove, which has jewelry, the Bargain Shop, which has your milk and your bread and tarot cards and statues and we have once upon a thursday which is all gorgeous tchotchke stuff and clothing you know so we're we're limited we're not a big commercial area and the closest town is not either so when you look it up on the map you'll see dunkirk and fredonia and then you'll see jamestown below us and we're just like an easy easy body but thank you so much. I really enjoyed doing this with you. No, this thank was you. great. Ed, yeah, thank you so much, really. Yeah. Thanks, Bobby. You're we would like to thank Bobby Caswell for giving us a glimpse into what it's like to live in Lilydale and be a psychic medium. She helped us understand what's so special about Lilydale and why it's an important place for so many people and why so many people flock to it year after year. We would also like to thank Mandy Shep for sharing her knowledge on the history of Lilydale 
and the impact it's had on American culture and society through the years. To learn more about Lilydale and the events going on, or to even just find a medium, check out lilydaleassembly.org. That's going to do it for this episode of Bound by the Cloak. You can find us on social media, Instagram, Twitter. As usual, we are everywhere that you get your podcasts. That's Google, Apple, Spotify. Like and subscribe. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.